0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: This week's episode is presented by Mezen. Virtually every chef agrees that a sharp, well-balanced chef's knife is the essential workhorse for any kitchen. A great knife should feel good in your hand, stay sharp, and hold up over time to the rigors of your kitchen. Simple, right? But behind these deceptively simple concepts are centuries of tradition, technology, design, and craft. Misen spent four years developing the perfect knife because every little detail matters. Misen went through 37 different prototypes— until they knew they had the perfect knife. The final result. A knife that's a pleasure to hold. Sharp enough to plow through even the toughest foods. And a blade that stays sharper longer. The best part is by partnering closely with their factories and selling directly online. Misen is able to offer incredible cookware at wholesale pricing. Go to the link in the show notes to get your Misen knife today. Um, they also have a Labor Day sale going on where you can get 20% off Misen is the perfect knife at an unreal price. Let's start the show. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox, your number one source for hip hop and R&B news. My name is Ahmad, and I am your host. It is Sunday, September twelfth. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting episode of Thinking Outside the Boombox. Got a real special episode for you today. I've been waiting for this episode for a very long time. Um, Drake dropped off his Certified Lover Boy album. Uh, last week i have spent the last week listening to it you know doing research on the production on you know the lyrics all of that and i am ready to take a deep dive into the album in this week's dig deeper segment so here's what's gonna happen it was a long album y'all it was like you know it was 21 songs it was i think like just under 90 minutes it's a long album And I'm doing a deep dive. So we're talking about every track. I'm talking about the album as a whole. I'm talking about, you know, I'm contextualizing things that happen in the album, all that. So on this episode, I'm not going to give you a song of the week or the press play segment, but I am still going to give you that information in the podcast newsletter. So as you know, every week I, uh, produce a podcast newsletter that contains the links to everything that I talk about in every episode. So if I talk about a new song, a new music video, a new performance that I think you should watch, a new album that I think you should listen to, I put a link to that in the podcast newsletter. So the podcast newsletter for this week will contain the song of the week. It will contain all of the hip-hop and R&B news that's happened since the last episode that I think you should check out. It'll contain all the links to all of that, as well as a link to everything I talk about in the Dig Deeper segment. Podcast newsletter will have all of that. So especially since I'm not talking about it on the episode, make sure you get the podcast newsletter. You can do that by going to thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. Put your email address in the the box on the homepage, and you will receive the podcast newsletter every week that an episode is released. If you don't want to do that, you can go to the newsletter tab at thinkingoutsidetheboombox.com. And all of the podcast newsletters are featured there. Definitely check that out. Subscribe to the mailing list so you can stay up to date on all the hip-hop and R&B news. Let's jump right into the Dig Deeper segment. Welcome back to Thinking Outside the Boombox. It is now time for the Dig Deeper segment. As I mentioned, this entire episode is all about Certified Lover Boy, um, Drake's sixth studio album. We're gonna do a deep dive. I'm gonna do a track by track analysis. My thoughts on lyrics in the tracks, the production. I'm gonna, you know, give you some some details on a lot of the uh, trending topics about the album and the things that I found out about them. We're, I'm I'm going to. To tell you about all things Certified Lover Boy, you are going to leave this podcast with everything you need to go back to that album with another listen and really understand a bunch of the stuff that took place. So let's get it. On September 3rd, Drake dropped off that sixth studio album, Certified Lover Boy. It's an album that we've been expecting since about the summer of 2020. Um, there were no singles for the album. He did release Laugh Now, Cry Later with Lil Durk in August of last year, and then he released a three-song EP Scary Hours 2 in March of this year, but none of those songs are on the album. For the most part, it's 21 new songs, although a few of them were teased, um, with an 86-minute runtime. The rollout for the album was intertwined with the reemergence of the Drake Kanye beef, which I discussed a couple episodes ago. Um, a beef that had us looking for words between the two on both of their albums and waiting to see who had the better album and sold the most in the first week. Drake bought billboards in multiple cities, announcing the features for the album. Uh, The polarizing and heavily criticized album art featured 12 pregnant woman emojis of different shades and colors created by British artist Damien Hurst. Drake's introduction for the album on streaming services stated it was, quote, a combination of toxic masculinity and acceptance of truth, which is inevitably heartbreaking. <laughs> That's a little clunky and is hella corny, but it set the tone for what to expect from Certified Lover Boy, specifically from a content perspective. All eyes were on Toronto last weekend as the biggest artist in the world released his heavily anticipated solo project. The album sold over 500,000 in the first week. The official numbers haven't officially been released, but it's trending towards at least 500K in the first week. So let's jump into the album. Let's go track by track, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on each track and the album as a whole. So we started off with Champagne Poetry. We know Drake has a history of barring us up to start his albums. Tuscan Leather from Nothing Was The Same will forever be his best album intro, in my opinion. And I got some serious Tuscan Leather vibes from this intro. The sample draws you in immediately. It samples uh, the artist Masego, his song Navajo, which itself samples Michelle by The Beatles, So right off the bat, that's kind of a flex because you know that Drake, you know, passed the Beatles for like the most Hot 100 singles and all of that stuff. And he's been flexing on that ever since it happened. So the fact that he sampled this Masego song, which samples the Beatles, that was a slight flex. Um, The beat switch and the sample are both incredible. Drizzy is rapping his ass off as he loves to do on the intros. And while it doesn't mark anything we haven't heard sonically from Drake, it feels like a comfortable way to start the album. And at the same time, his bars in the second half of the song are surprisingly personal and vulnerable, kind of in a peeling back the layers to get to the person type of way. So I thought it was a good way to start off the album. The second song, Poppy's Home. I think one theme that you'll come to notice is the truth about Certified Boy. is Dre gave us a lot of songs that are just versions of songs he's made in the past, especially when it comes to like the song arrangements and how the song is constructed. Although the sample is iconic, this is one of those Drake rapping over a classic R&B sample type of songs. Think about the Mary J. Blige, Mary's Joint sample on Western Road Flows um, from Views or the I Dedicate sample uh, by Brandy on Fire and Desire from Scorpion. Like this is that type of song for this album. The song samples Daddy's Home, which actually is the song of the week for this week. So get the podcast newsletter to hear. Um, It samples Daddy's Home by Montel Jordan, which in retrospect is a hilarious song about a father coming back into a child's life after abandoning him. It's peak 90s R&B with over-the-top emotion and beautiful harmonies. And Drake uses it to brag about how everyone in the game are his sons. As someone who is also always making references to parenting the rap game, Nicki Minaj appears on the song essentially to just laugh at the competition and not rap at the end. It seemed a little random, but I'm sure that was also just a flex. Um, I love the production of this song. I'm a sucker for a a 90s R&B sample, and this is an incredible... The sample already is an incredible song, so I love that he made it into another good song. Um and drake's flow and rhyme schemes on this one are also fire so this is one of the songs that i definitely gave multiple listens the next song girls want girls uh which features Lil baby personally this was a waste of a little baby feature in my opinion in typical drake fashion this is a song he could have kept but the hook is catchy as hell but lyrically drake was wilding like the in the hook the hook that gets repeated multiple times so we had to hear him say this multiple times he said you say you're a lesbian girl me too like that line is just ridiculous like first off that's not how lesbians work but even if we ignored that fact it's incredibly lazy songwriting And regardless of how catchy the song is, this might be one of my least favorite Drake songs of all time. (laughs) Like, this is the type of song that Drake and Lil Baby make in the studio just fucking around and having fun, but it should have never left the studio. It should have never made the album. Like, let that be a personal moment that everyone in the studio shared. But like, yeah, remember that time when Drake and Lil Baby was fucking around and they made that song talking about they was lesbians? Like, let that stay in the studio. We didn't need to hear it. Like, let that be between y'all. Um, but I have to skip this song from now on because it will get stuck in my head and I can't have that. So that's Girls Want Girls. Um, a dope little Baby verse though. The next song, In the Bible, featuring Lil Durk and Givion. I thought this was another good song that pretty much reinvented the wheel from a song structure standpoint, but it did have great moments. I love when the bass kicks in during the hook. I did appreciate the flow that Drake used here. But the features the features killed it. Lil Durk continued his impressive 2021 run and Giveon snapped at the end continuing to show his chemistry with Drake uh, like on Chicago Freestyle. Both Durk and Giveon make this song more memorable for me. The next song is Love All featuring Jay-Z. This is Sad Drake talking about love unrequited and missed opportunities. And when this song was teased a while back, it was rumored that the second verse uh, was Drake addressing Georgia Smith, who he was rumored to have a past relationship with and who he wrote jaded about from Scorpion. Um, Obviously, that verse didn't make the cut to make room for Jay-Z. This is a very safe performance from Drake and it's acceptable, but there was too much repetition on his end and he didn't go as hard as I'd expect him to on a song with Jay-Z, especially since we've heard him hold his own in the past. But Jay-Z was exceptional. He's still the GOAT. He's still making incredible, thoughtful, personal verses in his 50s, continuing to make us want and need a new album from him. It's wild. Like, he lapped Drake, and I really wish Drake didn't phone it in for this one. Because if I'm Drake, I'm trying to outshine Jay-Z on every song just for the competition and to get myself to a place where I can say and believe that I've lapped Hove. But he's not there yet. He definitely showed that on this song. Like, he played it too safe but Jay-Z's verse, incredible. Uh, Fair Trade is the next song featuring Travis Scott. So Charlotte Day-Wilson is a Canadian R&B singer. She's got an incredible voice, an incredible spirit that really shines through her music. She released her debut album, Alpha, in July of this year. and this song, Fair Trade samples one of the clear standouts from that album called Mountains. Really quick turnaround because the album was just released in July, Um, but I suppose with the Canadian connection, it might be easier to get a song cleared. And if Drake wants to use a song that you released a month ago, do you say no? Probably not. Um, Anyway, it's a beautiful song about a crumbling relationship that she wrote with uh, Demile, Babyface, Daniel Caesar and a bunch of other people. And a small part of me thinks that the original song is too deep and beautiful of a song to be used in fair trade. But I think I'm just being picky there. Um, It's sampled well and the production is dope. This is Wavy Drake. Like the flow and cadence alone makes it a hit and catchy when he gets on his sing rapping type of type of stuff. You know, this song was teased a while ago and will go down as the most used caption for sure. With the whole part of the hook that says I've been losing friends and finding peace honestly, that sounds like a fair trade to me. I would bet money that that has been captioned at least, at least 100,000 times in the past week. (laughs) Like, I I would bet money on it. Um, Travis Scott delivered a dope verse. Drake pulls the best out of the artists um, featured on his albums. You know, his solo albums are prime time. So everybody brings the best of what they, excuse me, of what they have to the album. And Travis was great here. You know, this is all eyes are on Drake albums when they release. So everybody that's featured is like, yo, I need to make sure I come correct because I, you know, I can introduce myself to a bunch, a bunch of new people. I can get some new fans myself. So that's what they do. Um, I think this is a good point to mention about the production. The production for the album kind of underwhelmed me. And that's not saying it was bad. There were a lot of Great moments, dope samples, impressive beat switches, etc. But Forty, Noel, Oliver, you know, and Drake's usual producer friends and engineer, they usually craft incredible layers of foundation for Drake to build greatness on top of. But for the most part, Certified Lover Boy sounded sonically safe. Like there weren't a lot of risks or experiments taken. And I think that's an issue that was present across the album at large. Drake's contributions included. So more on that later. The next song is Way Too Sexy featuring Future and Young Thug. Speaking of the production, I missed the tease or the leak of this song previously because I was not expecting a hip-hop trap remix of I'm Too Sexy by the British group Right Said Fred. Off the first few listens, I was not feeling the song, and it's incredibly corny, but this is a hit whether I like it or not. Like, Future on the hook saying I'm Too Sexy for the trap too sexy for this chain with solid production from tm88 and too dope like it just works and drake knows how corny the song is they all lean into it like drake had a line that said diamond popped out almost swallowed 60 like they they know what they're doing and they know that it's a hit and so they're just having fun with it and while the music video is hilarious it's also so goofy but you got future and young thug doing what they do best over an infectious beat drake being goofy it's it's another hit it's another hit and so and way too sexy i'm pretty sure already already went gold i think it all it's already been streamed enough that it, it it's it got over 500k units so it, you know they they knew what they were drake knew what he was doing he was like yo this is gonna be the one let's have some fun with it and that's what he did but like <sighs> It's the type of song where it's like, I don't want to play this anymore, but I'm going to because it's catchy and my brain likes listening to it. So that's what it is with Way Too Sexy. The next song, TSU. This is easily one of the more polarizing songs on the album. So TSU stands for Texas Southern University. The song samples three songs total. The main melody of the song samples the harmonies from Insync's song Sailing uh in the in their song in the beginning there's like a bunch of like uh like Sync is like harmonizing with each other uh in the beginning of it and so they took that and they kind of pitched it up and that's the main melody of the song the song also samples Until the End of Time by Justin Timberlake and Wait For It it samples Half on a Baby by R. Kelly R. Kelly who is currently in prison on charges for racketeering and sex trafficking so naturally, we've all been frustrated with the decision to support R. Kelly by sampling his song in the album. So I managed to actually get some more information about what happened here. So 40, Drake's best friend, lead producer his entire career, explained. He was like, yo, it doesn't sit well with me that we had to credit R. Kelly for this song. His voice isn't present, nor was he a co-lyricist on the song like many people have been you know, spreading around. So the intro to the song includes a sample of OG Ron C, legendary Houston DJ, radio personality. And apparently during his intro, like during in that sample, R. Kelly's half on a baby is faintly playing in the background. Like 40 said, it has no significance. R. Kelly's voice isn't present. You can barely hear it and there are no lyrics. But because they wanted to use that sample of OG Ron C, they were forced to credit the half on a baby sample because it was playing in the background so you know now that's not as bad as i originally thought when i first heard of the r kelly sample on the record um but it's still to me it it begs the question of why they couldn't just have og ron c recreate the sample like he's an ovo affiliate um like he's done chopped and screwed versions of Drake allen's before they know og ron c instead of the sample why not just get him to redo it. And I know people are busy and maybe they just couldn't make it happen. But, you know, either way, this kind of makes me feel better that they weren't just irresponsible and apathetic regarding R. Kelly's accusations. Um, So that's what happened there. Because I remember when the album came out, I I kept seeing on Twitter, like, yo, R. Kelly's got a writing credit. I'm like, no, they did not do that. They did not just sampling R. Kelly song, like knowing what we all know about R. Kelly. So according to 40, that's what happened. And so that's, that's a little bit better of a situation, although I do still think it could have been avoided. Now, the song reminds me most of the song The Real Her from Take Care, but that was a much better song that contained verses from Lil Wayne and Andre 3000. Drake is forever sympathetic towards strippers and his music, and this is no different. The breakdown in the second half of the song is peak Drake, that Drake that loves to sing at a woman, but in reality, the song is nothing new under the sun. You know, I've, this song was like hyped up because I guess it got teased in the past um, or it was leaked in the past as a song called "Not Around," so everybody was expecting it to be on the album, and it was, but I never, I never heard the original leak. And this song was kind of underwhelming to me. It was like, I mean, this is peak Drake, but like this this is nothing new. I don't know why people were like hyped for this. But anyway, that's TSU. The next song, Into Deep, which features Future. While I did think the production of this album underwhelmed me as a whole, there are a lot of dope breakdowns and transitions where a song becomes a completely different song. Uh, like halfway through this is an example of that the song also samples get throwed by ugk jay-z and young jeezy the first half has these stabbing guitar riffs and a sparkling like synth melody that really sounds so good together and drake uses his lower register in an unfamiliar flow that really stands out lyrically he's singing at a houston woman like he loves to do um then the beat changes and the song becomes a completely different vibe. Future comes back um, for a song that really reminds me of their What A Time To Be Alive collaborations. At the same time, this song is another example of how Future can't or won't meet Drake where he is. If you take the song Life Is Good or a lot of the songs on What A Time To Be Alive, the song is either the first half is like a Drake type song and then the beat turns trap and it's a future song or it's a bunch of future beats and Drake is like just kind of doing Drake over future beats like I feel like there were we're on what a time to be alive and like their collaborations future isn't meeting Drake where he is Drake always has to meet future where he is and you know, you know, especially if they're about to do what a time to be alive, too. It seems like like we need some more reciprocation. Like it shouldn't always have to be Drake doing something dope. And then the beat switches and it's a trap beat. And then Future comes like, you know, if you all want to, you know, have this collaborative group like like Future, come on man, like, like step outside your box, man. Like, what are we doing? Like, I need you to stray away from that formula. All in all, this is still a solid collaboration. Like, I, I, I do love this song. Like, it's stuck in my head all the time. It's one of my favorites from the album. But at the same time, I just wish that, you know, the formula for a Drake and Future song wasn't so predictable. Then the next song, Pipe Down. This is Drake deep in his bag. He said in the introduction that this was an album of toxic masculinity and acceptance of truth. This is a song about a woman who will never be who Drake wants or needs her to be, and he lets her know it. It sounds so earnest, yearning. It's Drake in his bag as usual over a nice soulful beat. Again, nothing new, but this is still a great song because he's a hit maker. This is the part of the album when spicy Drake emerges. He's either talking spicy to a woman or to his enemies, and he goes in on his love interest here. One of his most toxic songs, Easily. Like, this is shot for me, Drake. He said, You know I love you more than all them niggas put together. And it's a lot of niggas. Trust, I put a list together. He said, Can't believe you put it on your mother's life. Can't believe you told me it was ride or die. Because you're not here. But somehow you're still alive. Like, I lost it when I heard that. Like, he said, You said you was ride or die. But you didn't ride. And you didn't die. So so what's up (laughs) like like this is one of them songs like we're confident drake is definitely one of the best drakes and like he knows how to spit like rap rap but he also knows how to spit in an r&b way where it's like yo he he's really just like he was like yo how can you not love me like what do i gotta do for you to pipe down like like i'm drake (laughs) like it's ridiculous but this is this is one of my favorite songs because the 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 way that he's he's catching the the you know the the beat and his flows on this his textbook drake but it's it's just good i feel like i'm he's never been this spicy in in his songs and like and this is certified lover boy like this isn't a concept album but in a way it it like halfway is because with the title and with the introduction that he kind of laid out Like, most of the songs on this album, outside of, you know, the ones where he's just talking at ops in general and bragging, are directed toward women. And that's been a thing in the past, but I feel like there were a lot more on this album. Like, he was leaning into the lover boy part of it and was like, yo, I'm going to address a lot of the women in my life. Um, Ones that have done me wrong, ones that I miss. Like, he he really did concentrate a lot of that into this album. So then Pipe Down takes us into Yubba's heartbreak. Drake loves to individually highlight an artist on his albums. Think about Kendrick Lamar on Take Care, Party Next Door on If You're Reading This Is Too Late, Georgia Smith, Skepta, and Sampha on More Life. They all got their own songs where Drake is, is not even present on the song. Like He lets them do their thing. And Yubba is a great choice for this album. You most likely heard Yubba doing the background vocals on Chance the Rapper's Same Drugs. Or on the Grammy winning song with PJ Morton, How Deep Is Your Love. She's amazing. And her feature is so soulful and passionate. I just wish the song was longer. Um, Shout out to Yeba. She actually released perfect timing on her part. Drake releases his album September 3rd, September 10th. Yeba's album Dawn has been released. So definitely check out that album. Um, But this song also serves as a way to split the album in half before Drake gets way more vicious. And that's on the next song, No Friends in the Industry. This one of the hardest songs on the album, if not the hardest song on the album. Drake is on his like mob ties, sinister bars, but with the non-stop-like flow, like the song non-stop from Scorpion. This takes me back to the first half of Scorpion. The entire album has featured subliminals that are aimed at Kanye and his camp, but the intensity picks up with this song. Some specific Kanye lines on No Friends in the Industry. He said... We ain't dropped, though. How you niggas celebrating? Already disrespecting something I ain't tolerating. You niggas fuck with me. I give them motivation. And your circle shrinking. See some boys escaping. And then one of the hardest set of lines in the track is also, are also ones that seem to address Ye. He said, fuck debating who the GOAT. Or, uh, sorry, address Kanye. I think I said Drake. He said, fuck debating who the GOAT. Better not make this shit about the numbers, all I know. Better not make this shit up about the summer, all I know. Better find someone else to hit with all that smoke, nigga. And all them tweets and all them posts. Ain't got the type of time to be playing with you folk. And this is spicy Drake for sure. But, like, Kanye has been talking about the summer and how he was going to take over the summer. He's been been all about numbers, looking for, like, Drake's release date to see who can do more numbers. He's been tweeting and posting about Drake for, like, you know, like a year, maybe two years. And then this is a part that I personally thought was a little clever line. He said, Drake said, ain't got the type of time to be playing with you folk. And I feel like folk is a is a um, is a way that a lot of Chicago people like talk to each other, specifically, I think um, gang members. But like, I'm pretty sure folk is like a is like a part of chicago slang and so the the fact that he said that i think was a even clever way for him to be like yo this is this is a kanye when drake sits back and loses the gimmicks and the personas and he just raps his ass off it's really something special the song has a perfectly placed sample of uh three six mafia track niggas ain't bearing that as drake raps about only trusting his brothers and how he can't trust anyone else in the industry the flow is crazy And this is just the start of it, because the next song, Knife Talk, features 21 Savage. I think placing this song right after No Friends in the Industry was an incredible transition. Project Pat is on the intro with the Juicy J Feed the Street sample. It's too good. This song is addicting. 21 Savage is in rare form, and he and Drake have always had incredible chemistry. The, the hook that 21 does where he says that gang shit is all I'm on. Like that part has been stuck in my head all week. Like it's just, it's 21 and Drake when they get together. There's the type of song that you can expect. And this is just another example of that, but a very good one. So then we go to 7 a.m. on Bridal Path. So strap in people, because this is the fucking one. So much to unpack with this one. When Drake drops a time and place record, you know he's locked the fuck in. 9 a.m. in Dallas, 6 p.m. in New York, 5 a.m. in Toronto, 4 p.m. in Calabasas. And now 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, which is named after the neighborhood um, in Toronto where Drake's estate resides. Like When he gets on these time and place records, he bars up, he's confident, he's reflective like he's savage it's the best version of drake in my opinion it's like he lets loose of every all the gimmicks everything and he's like i'm gonna just sit here and rap about whatever's on my mind about whoever is in my way and in 7 a.m on bridal path drake has never been more confident and he addresses kanye in a more direct way than any of the previous songs so let's break down the kanye shots Actually, before I get into that, Drake is flowing stupid on this song. He said, so first off, when Antetokounmpo, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks won the championship, somebody on Twitter, uh, they tweeted, you know, Drake can't wait to get an Antetokounmpo bar off in his next album. And so Drake actually saw that tweet and was like, bet. And so he has this, this is like in the first verse. He said, don't move like a puto. Could at least keep it a buck like Anta Tacum. Cool
0: fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. and Airbnb, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
1: Bo. <laughs> so he 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 saw that tweet and was like, bet, I'm gonna put an answer to Bar in there. And it, it, it kind of works. And everybody went crazy when they saw that he actually put that on the album. So he said, don't move like a puto. Could at least keep it a buck like Tacumpo. I made north of the border like Vito Rizzuto. Throwing parties in Miami, they loving us mucho. With the whole ratio, I'm like David Caruso. There's a mad shortage of people giving me kudos. I've been doing this since T-Pain was pouring us Nuvo. You tell them I run the country, they'll say Trudeau. Poppy Trulo, gripping culo. And I got the flows, niggas, steel like boot toes. Like, come on. This man is piecing letters together and talking reckless. Like, when he said, you tell them I run the country, they'll say Trudeau. And you think about Trudeau, who's the um, president of Canada? Justin Trudeau? I don't know if that's his first name. But, like, what? I got the flows, niggas, steel? Like, boot toes? Like, that whole, that whole progression of lines... Is like, oh, in this, let me, don't get me wrong. This is the first verse. Like this might be actually like the first lines of the song. Like he, he was like, yo, if you don't know what time it is, let me tell you. Okay. So now let's get to the Kanye bars. Drake made a couple allusions to the fact that he thought that he and Kanye had patched things up. Cause remember when I talked about the beef a couple episodes ago, like everybody in the, from what I heard Everyone thought that Kanye and Drake was cool. They had patched things up. And so there wasn't really no beef. It was just marketing. But Drake is alluding to the fact that he thought that him and Kanye had patched things up only for Kanye to start things up again. The first bars of line, he said, I wish everyone could tell me exactly what they need from me the first second they speak to me. I'm not with all the secrecy, secretly beefing me behind closed doors, but playing it peacefully for the streets to see. My nigga has some decency. That was the first one. And then he said, why the fuck we peacemaking, doing the explanations if we just gonna be right back in that bitch without hesitation? But let me digress on behalf of the association. I'll play it cool with you, Denmark a nigga like Copenhagen. Whoo, light work, light work. But he's like, he's really saying, like, I thought me and Kanye was cool, we had patched things up. And then all of a sudden, when it's time for the album to drop, now we got beef. Or maybe you've been beefing with me the whole time and you just like playing it, playing it cool in public. But he's like, I bet I can do the same thing, but then I'm going to make sure that I take you out. Like, this is crazy. So then Drake goes on like a 24-bar run, all aimed at Kanye, and it's an all-out assault. He said, you over there in denial. We not neck and neck. It's been a lot of years since we've seen you come in correct. Man, fucker respectfully. I just want my respect. Let me stop there. There's a media personality named Justin LeBoy. He has a show called Respectfully Justin. And Drake, you know, there's been some teasing of how like Drake doesn't really fuck with Justin LeBoy, but Justin LeBoy has also been a large part of Kanye's Donda rollout. So Justin LeBoy is in Kanye's camp. He's been one of the ones that's been telling us the people about like yo Kanye's dropping this day, Kanye's dropping even though he w- he wasn't really right because Kanye had all those listening sessions. But Justin LaBoy is in Kanye's camp. He has a respectfully Justin show. So the fact that Drake said man fuck a respectfully, I just want my respect. It's like, okay. He said they tried to label me mean. I say what I mean. People that could have stayed on the team, they played in between, possibly referring to Virgil Abloh who was designed for Kanye and Drake. He said, clouds is hanging over you now because I'm reigning supreme. Some of these niggas say what they mean. It ain't what it seems. Had to pull my niggas out the mud like I'm training Marines. You niggas hot to them little kids. You ain't famous to me. Told you I'm aiming straight for the head, not aiming to please. I could give a fuck about who designing your sneakers and tees. Had somebody put you on a guild and you play with my seed. Yo, that that line so first of all this is what makes me think that this is not just a market employee anymore like drake is like talking about like yo i will have somebody kill you <laughs> like he said i don't care about your gap in adidas deals like you know the gildan t-shirt that regular white i am i'm gonna have somebody put you on there as a memorial if you keep messing around with my son because you know he's alluding to the fact that um he believes that Kanye used the information about his son in the push of beef and Drake didn't really like that and so so he's the, these lines were like oh you oh so I, I think they really beefing like Drake is taking this personally like he 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 really does not like Kanye I don't think this is just some album stuff um He said, trust me, there's some shit you really got to come see to believe. That's why your people, not believers, they all leaving you. That's why you buying into the hype that the press feeding you. You know, the fourth level of jealousy is called media. Isn't that an ironic revelation? That's a crazy bar. Apparently, there are four stages of jealousy, identification, confrontation, redirecting. And the last one is spelled M-E-D-E-A. I don't know if it's actually pronounced media. It might be media." But Drake uses that to compare Kanye to compare to Kanye's obsession with the media. Then he said, give that address to your driver. Make it your destination instead of a post out of desperation. Remember, I said Kanye posted Drake's address on Instagram before deleting it. Like, (laughs) like this is this is beyond spicy Drake. Like Drake looks like he's ready for Kanye to pull up so they can just fight for real. He said, this me reaching the deepest state of my meditation while you over there trying to impress the nation. Kanye running for president. All of this donder rollout, roll out. Minds running wild with the speculation. And there are a couple of others, but another most mentioned one was he said, and look at the heroes falling from grace in their older ages. If we talk in top three, then you been sliding a third like stolen bases. Like Drake considers Jay-Z and himself at the one and the two everyone else is sliding a third he said all of this and he did all of this over production that incorporates audio from the philip o'berry gold cheer squad in charlotte cheering in some bleachers like there's just a video of this cheer squad from charlotte like doing some cheers in the bleachers and that's what you're hearing in the background of the song they like just took that audio and like made it kind of probably like got the tempo right and so it's just going right with the beat and he's flowing over it he snapped it's crazy it's crazy this is what this is easily the best time and play song drake has done he just he just really let it all loose now kanye's camp basically said they were waiting to see if drake said anything about kanye to determine what the next steps would be well drake said a lot of things and the beef has escalated on drake's sound 42 station uh on sirius xm he leaked a song called life of the party this is kanye's song but drake leaked it um the song features andre 3000 and kanye disses drake in the song um a different version of the song had been played at kanye's donda donda sessions it's a song where andre 3000 is relating to kanye about losing his mother as well it's an incredible song to excuse me to be honest, from the production to a good verse from Kanye, it even features some DMX audio at the end, and it's an iconic verse from Andre 3000 as he reflects on his life without his mother in it. And that was all overshadowed because Kanye decided to diss Drake in the song, to the point that like Andre 3000 came out with a statement was like, yo... uh when Kanye asked me to do the song, I didn't know he was gonna diss Drake. I just thought this was a good moment for us to do like a, a dope song about our mothers, and for us to re, uh, relate in that way. Um, kind of sad that it's come to this that you know this song, you know, has become about you know Kanye and Drake beef because I wanted to work with both artists. Like, like Andre 3000 actually sounded sad because of this. But so Kanye on the song said, I put Virgil and Drake on the same text and it wasn't about the matching Arc directs or Kid cuddy dress. Just told these grown men, stop it with the funny shit. I might hire the whole team from ACG. So talking about that text thread that I mentioned a few episodes ago where Kanye like added Drake or like Drake was in it with Virgil and Kanye added Pusha and like put the Joker meme and was like, stop playing with me. So he also said in the song, thought we was the new Abu Dhabi. Remember when Drake and Kanye were both living in Calabasas, they put up billboards that said Calabasas is the new Abu Dhabi, whatever that means. Told Drake, don't play with me on GD. And he sent that message to everybody. So if I hit you with a WID, you better hit me with, yes, sir, I'm writing everything you need. I told you I was going to take the summer back. So any of the cat won't take none of that. So those are the lines addressing Drake. Personally, I think that's light. Compared to what Drake unleashed on Kanye at 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, and I'm sure that's why Drake leaked the song because he was like, "Yo, this is this is nothing," and so he leaked it. Although, like I will say, the the lines at Drake are nothing. The song as a whole, "Life of the Party," is an incredible song. It's a great song. They need to release like the full version instead of like just just being on some audio on YouTube. It's a great song, but the 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 lyrics at Drake were not really impressive and I personally don't think that Kanye can beat Drake if if they actually want to like sit down and like let's release diss tracks where it's like this is about Kanye this is about Drake let's bar up you know I don't think that I don't think that Kanye can beat Drake not the not the Kanye lyrically that we've heard for the past four or five years old Kanye maybe but like you know, Drake's been in the trenches with these beefs for the, not that he's won them all, but he's been in the trenches. And Kanye, I, I just don't think he's, he's not a battle rapper. I don't think he's got that in him. Anyway, it's clear this beef might be ramping up even more. Consequence, who may or may not still be in Kanye's camp, released a diss track against Drake called Party Time that deserves no more discussion other than that. Um, but it begs the question, is there any more to be gained from this beef going any further? No one wants this to get physical, but honestly, maybe they should just slap box and get it over with. Like, there's nowhere else for this to go. Sure, it's great promotion for their albums, and it's entertaining to us, but both of them can benefit from moving on. This is two straight albums from Drake that has been consumed by beef, with Pusha and Halfway Kanye on Scorpion, and now with Kanye and Halfway Pusha on Certified Lover Boy. How many more subliminals are necessary? Drake's gonna sell more records, but the public seems to like Donda more, so it's not gonna settle anything. It's just just gone on too long, and we're gonna tire quickly of hearing them reference each other in songs. But at the end of the day, 7 a.m. on Bridal Path was an all-out assault, and somebody needs to go check on Kanye. The next song, Race My Mind, The transition to this song is pretty good, but this song is rumored to have been recorded back in 2018, 2019, and it kind of sounds like it, to be honest. It's a decent song. It's got a biggie sample in there, but it definitely sounds like Drake channeling his So Far Gone era, especially with the production. It's almost like a come down song after all the smoke he gave us in the last three. The next song, Fountains, featuring Tim's. Drake is very self-aware as a person and an artist. He knows exactly what type of songs and personas people like, and Caribbean dancehall Drake is one of those. I'm honestly surprised this is the only one on the album, because he's been throwing hella Caribbean like, dancehall songs on his albums, but he only gave this one. And because of that, it kind of feels out of place, as is. It's a really good song, though. Sonically, Drake's performance reminds me of that song he did with Leaky Lee from So Far Gone called Little Bit. And Tim's is a great artist. Her feature was solid. The next song, Get Along Better, with Ty Dolla $ign, man, there is always a singing Drake song on his albums that I get attached to. There is literally always one. November 18th, Shut It Down, Cameras, Own It, Connect, Jungle, Nothing's Into Somethings, Fire and Desire, Jaded. I don't know what it is, but one of those songs where Drake is just like, I'ma just sing about the heartbreak that I feel for this woman that I miss or about a woman that did me wrong or like like when he gets in that mode one of those songs always sticks for me and get along better is that song for this album I love this song I've played this song more than any other song on the album easily he's in full singing mode over such a hard-hitting beat that evokes emotion at the same time when Drake is hurt and he lets that out he's just as lethal as when he's rapping his ass off Ty Dolla's vocals echoing Drake's also add a solid foundation. And in the second verse, when occasionally the bass is hitting with every word that Drake says, it's just so good. And also, what a relatable song. The only thing I wish is that Ty Dolla did more on the song because they work well and they sound good together. The next song, You Only Live Twice. This is the supreme posse cut on the album with Rick Ross delivering another consistent verse and Lil Wayne having an insane comeback since the Birdman beef ended his features over the past couple years have been top tier and reminiscent of the Wayne that we knew he killed his verse and this is all over a beat that sounds like Lord knows part two from take here but it's Drake's verse that you should take note of here let me let me paint you a picture Drake reached out to Busta Rhymes years ago to work with him on a Jay Dilla beat that he knew that Busta had um i think swiss beats may have also helped produce the song the song was called stay down they made a song drake and buster and the song got leaked so it was never officially released in june of last year 2020 swiss beats was on an ig live with buster rhymes he was drunk and he was upset that the song got leaked he thinks by drake's camp and he was upset because it didn't get a proper release and people didn't get paid off of it he called drake a pussy he also alluded to shooting drake's plane out of the sky if it was personal like i think he said it's not personal if it was personal we'll shoot that plane out of the sky that's what he said he literally got on live and apologized the next day but we never heard anything from drake about it until now i think maybe somebody in drake's camp might have said something but drake has never responded about it and that was a year ago in june until now drake never forgets when he slighted And, you know, this is he hasn't had an album since this happened. So I think he was literally he probably made the song was like, I'm gonna put it on certified lover boy on. You only live twice. He said, don't act like you're happy for me now. Don't act like you wasn't praying for catastrophic collapses. Unthinkable when I think of the way these niggas been acting. Yeah, I never did you nothing. And you play like we family, huh? Next thing you want to shoot me down. It can't be love. Not sure where you was trying to send it. It can't be up. That day you sounded like a bitch. You fancy, huh? Now that's a slick response. He said, unthinkable when I think of the way these niggas been acting. Unthinkable is a song by Swiss B's wife, Alicia Keys, a song which Drake is featured on and helped write. And Swiss was featured on Drake's song, Fancy, from Thank Me Later, with the you fancy, huh? Like, Drake is forever crafty with his responses. And albeit late, that was an understandable retaliation retaliatory response and swiss beast knows that he responded he said he knows drake could have gone even harder so he was like drake was just getting that off his chest we're even like there's no response coming from swiss but like this is what i'm talking about like like we all know that drake lost the Pusha t beef but i don't think there was any doubt in our minds before like before drake didn't respond that he could hang with pusha like he lost the pusha t beef because you know he dropped a song pusha t dropped a more savage song and then we didn't hear from drake so like drake lost but like i don't think anybody doubted that had drake dropped another song that he probably could have made that match up more even like drake for some reason when it comes to these like Dish tracks he's clever with it he's witty he's confident like something about his swagger when he's on those songs is like it's impressive to watch but he lost the push of t beef he didn't he didn't drop he didn't drop the track that he said he made but it's it's lines like this where it's like we know and we saw the meek meal thing like drake can go and i don't think kanye can when it comes to this I'd i'd love to see it and, and maybe I don't actually want to because we don't, we don't need another set of album rollouts where they're doing this. But, you know, this was, this was Crafty from Drake's Inn. Um And it made You Only Live Twice um, an even better song, to be honest, because he decided to, to drop those bars. The next song, I Miss You Too. Finally, a song surrounding some beef that's a little more positive. So in this song, we saw the Kid Cudi and Drake beef come to an end. I Miss You Too features Kid Cudi. Their beef kind of built from 2009 to 2016. Cuddy wouldn't let Drake remix day and night. Cuddy said he wouldn't listen to What a Time to Be Alive because Drake and Future's music is mediocre, etc. And when Cuddy came out and said that he was struggling with mental health issues, Drake rapped on two birds, one stone. You were the man on the moon. Now you just go through your phases. Life of the angry and famous. You stay zanned and perked up so when reality set in, you don't got to face it. Look what happens soon as you talk to me crazy. Is you crazy? So it's kind of just been canon that they don't fuck with each other. But now here we are and Cuddy is featured on a Drake song with Juice WRLD vocals in the intro. It seems like the beef is officially squashed. Everybody was celebrating. Now, from a song perspective, neither Kid Cudi or Drake can or Drake can sing amazingly. So it's always smart for Drake to surround himself and collaborate with vocalists. But clearly, this song is bigger than that, and I honestly really like it. The production leans more towards Cudi's lane, but there are a lot of the OVO like soundscapes present in it, and it really fits both artists. I'm a fan of this song. Speaking of fans, the next song is called "Fucking Fans." um the singing approach drake uses here is more classic drake you know pour your heart out drake uh party next door is doing background vocals and they're always a good combination but the arrangement here definitely sounds like it fits party's vibe more the cadences sound like his style but he produced it and he has a writing credit so that makes sense the talk of this song is who drake is singing to like he's singing about a relationship he was in and how he feels he fucked it up especially when he ended up having a baby that he wasn't expecting. And like when the beat changes up, it sounds more Drake than Party Next Door. He gets real personal. This is one of them songs where you're like, damn, Drake, should I be here for this? Like, do you need the room? <laughs> like my instincts made me think the song was about Rihanna, especially when he had lines like uh, he said, especially when the whole world wished that they had you. Then he said, cover up a lot can't cover up your soul. And Rihanna covered up the matching tattoos that they got together. Like, it could be about Rihanna. But either way, musically, this song is not a shot out of the park. But I like Vulnerable Drake, and this is a perfect example of that. So while it's not a song that I'm, like, replaying over and over again, I didn't think it was a bad song. So then the final song, The Remorse, the infamous outro. Here he combines his fire outros with his series of the songs. You know, he had The Ride, The Calm, The Resistance. And now the remorse. The beat is sparse. It's just some some soulful vocal runs by Anthony Hamilton that have been pitched up, some piano chords and a drum. Drake thrives on production like this. He sounds very appreciative of his team and what it took from everyone involved to get them to where they are today. But he also sounds remorseful that he's let some of those slights go unaddressed. And to me, it sounds like he regrets not coming back at Pusha T more directly. It's a nice end to the project, and Drake is talking that talk, but at the same time, it's not his best outro. But it's nice to hear Drake get reflective and speak about Drake the person, not Drake the sex god or Drake the rapper. Like, it really seems like he's getting personal and just talking about how he feels, you know, with everything that's going on. So that was it. 21 songs. That's the album. It's a lot of music. But, like I mentioned last week, it's going to do numbers off the sheer amount of songs and the fact that everyone wants to hear what Drake has to say, whether they like him or not. I have been all over the internet, and the Kanye stands are busy trashing the album. I haven't listened to Donda, so I have nothing to say about whether Donda is better than Certified Lover Boy. Some people only like five songs, some hate the album, some love the album. The fact is, no artist will ever make an album that everyone loves. Drake is great damn near incredible, on making an album that contains something that everyone will love. You got Wavy Drake, you got Caribbean Drake, you got Introspective Drake, you got Bar You Up Drake, Loverboy Drake, Jaded Drake. There's a song for fans of all those versions of himself, all those personas, and there's enough to go around. And at the end of the day, Drake is one of the biggest artists in the world. The type of record that each individual, like, Drake fan wants him to drop, it's bigger than each of us. He has to appease the entire world. He can't just appease the people that want a rap album or that want an all Caribbean album. Like, you want an all rap record? Maybe if the What a Time to Be Alive 2 or the Rick Ross Drake albums materialize, but his solo projects, you're not going to like the whole project. It's bigger than what each of us wants. Personally, I want the Drake that we got on No Friends in the Industry and 7 a.m. on Bridal Path and get along better. But I know I won't get that for an entire album. But at the same time, you'll notice that I kept mentioning, like, for each of the songs, like, which of the past songs it reminded me of. And that's because, like, a lot of this album is unoriginal. It's not that I don't think the album is good, because there are a lot of good songs on the album. And I think. I think this album as a whole is like an embarrassment of riches like we've we're so used to Drake giving us like like good, such good music that you know our bar you know our bar has moved you know what I mean like it's like it's not good enough for you to just give me good anymore like this album isn't different like Drake played it safe We've heard versions of almost every song on this album in his previous albums, and it didn't help that they played it safe with the production, too. It wasn't super inspiring, and it's really weird. Like like I said, Drake has gotten so good at consistently giving us good music that he stopped giving us great music, and the album certainly has some great moments. I'm not going to say that the entire album is mid But they're few and far between. Like, yes, Fair Trade with Travis is a good song. And it's the classic Drake sound. But he could shit this song out in his sleep. And at this point, is is that what we want? For him to mindlessly feed us new versions of other songs until he does it again two years later? Like, we all want him to make another classic. But who's really challenging Drake to do that? And don't get me wrong. Personally, I think this is the best and most Drake has done lyrically since If You're Reading This Is Too Late. Like, that's what we've been asking for. And he spit on this album. Like, I'd say he gave us like eight, nine, ten songs where he was spitting with impressive flows, impressive wordplay, rhyme schemes, all of that. But at the other end of things, Girls Want Girls and Race My Mind is not at the level I expect from Drake at this point. Time will tell where this album sits in his catalog. And it's it's still too early for me to like put it next to his other albums but personally my personal list of his solo albums or like his his projects is nothing was the same take care views if you're reading this is too late so far gone more life scorpion then thank me later if i had to put certified lover boy somewhere it's it's in it's in that last three like around more life scorpion and thank me later and while, yes, Drake's albums and content don't vary too much from album to album, I don't expect them to at this point. Like, I want Drake to do what he does best and give us a bunch of dope songs to listen to. And he technically did that. But I would like him to challenge himself to be even greater. And I honestly think Drake sees no reason to. Like, at what Drake does, at being like one of the biggest artists in the world who can make all these pop hits, at what he does, who is even challenging him? he can keep doing the same thing and be successful but we want more like i think kanye could challenge him i mean not really the kanye that we've we've gotten over the past few years but kanye is a big enough artist that i think kanye could challenge him and at this point i want donda to be better than certified lover boy because maybe that will inspire drake to experiment more to keep trying new things instead of sliding into complacency he's not challenged like you heard him it's Jay and him at the top and everyone else is sliding to third. Like he needs someone who can do what he does to push him to be greater. And I'm not talking about Kendrick either. Drake isn't worried about Kendrick. Kendrick isn't worried about Drake. Like we 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 want this Kendrick-Drake competition and beef to happen so badly because they've been subbing each other, you know, for years. But like it's never going to happen. Kendrick Lamar can't do what Drake does and Drake can't do what Kendrick Lamar does. They both think they're better than the other, and they're both right. <laughs> like, because they're completely different artists. Like, we never expect to go to a Drake album for some socially conscious bars, because that's not his lane. He gives us music to miss old flames and turn up on exes and stun on ops, and we don't go to Kendrick for hits. They fulfill two different needs, but like, I still listen to Take Care, and nothing was the same, and even views all the way through, because those albums gave us something special i'll save the great songs on certified lover boy to my playlist but i'm not listening to it all the way through again at this point drake is playing a character of himself on his albums and this album was that character's variety show like he was like i'm gonna give you pieces of all the things you like and like together it's not great but like you like Caribbean Drake, I got fountains for you. Have a nice day. You want the Drake that's going to turn up on his exes. I got get along better. I got fucking fans. I got pipe down for you. Have a nice day. You want the Drake that's going to get reflective and introspective and like talk about his life. I got um, champagne poetry for you. I got the remorse. Have a nice day. You want the Drake that's all about the beef that's going to like get in the face of his of these rappers and like talk shit to him i got knife talk i got no friends in the industry i got 7 a.m on bridal path have a nice day this is what he's doing and honestly this is what he's been doing for a few albums but at a certain point we can't settle like we can't we can't just like take what he's given us and be like you are still the goat you know what I mean? Like he's he's got to do better. Like he, he really does. And I think that Certified Lover Boy has a lot of great moments. I saved a lot of songs from the album, but the album together is not great. There are great moments. There are great portions of Drake, but like Take Care. Nothing was the same was not that it wasn't like him piecing together like parts of himself to appease people like it was they were cohesive albums that were just good that were great and certified lover boy is not that certified lover boy is not that so that's it that is the deep dive into certified lover boy i hope you enjoyed it i hope you got a lot out of it listen to certified lover boy take the tracks that you like you know some people only want Drake for way too sexy and fair trade, and that's perfect like that's perfect they're they're songs that are still better than a lot of other people's like mid songs, but you know, we've seen the pinnacle like with Drake, and we've seen like when he's really locked in what he can do and uh you know especially after waiting over a year for this album, it just wasn't you know it just wasn't exactly what we needed um so yeah that is the album that is it for the dig deeper segment like i mentioned earlier get the podcast newsletter sign up for that um you can find me at thinking outside the boombox.com that's the website on twitter instagram and facebook it's t-o-t-b the podcast subscribe rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts um yeah i thank you for listening shout out to you all Um, This is episode 197. You already know what it is. Thinking outside the boombox, your number one source for hip hop and R&B news. Peace.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods,